Hello, I am Vidya Kumar. I am a scientist at Armed Forces Radiobiology Research Institute at Bethesda, Maryland. I am here with Dr. Francis Cuccinota, who is a Fayula Award winner of RRS 2018. Congratulations, Doctor, and welcome to this podcast. Thanks for inviting me. First of all, uh, let's hear from you about the award and the, uh, the program that you got the award for. Okay, yeah, so it's a great honor to receive this award. One, because Faila was from uh, Sicily, but, uh, and I'm, my grandparents were from Sicily, actually the, not too far from each other, the northern part of the island of Sicily. And also it's a pleasure because it, you know, the Faila Award is about 60 years old, and I'm the first one who was directly on space radiation. And other, other winners like Tobias and Dudley Goodhead had things about heavy ions, but I'm the, I think I'm the first one with directly on this area. And if you come to the annual meeting, space radiation has, has been a mainstay for a long time. So I started off in physics, doing the, the physics of cosmic ray interactions for like the nuclear interactions, the cross sections that you use to understand doses and dose equivalents and behind shielding or in organs. And then I um, moved into radiobiology and like in biophysics modeling of radiobiology and worked with uh, Dudley Goodhead at the Medical Research Council on a sabbatical. And from there I w went more into um, having a lab at Johnson Space Center looking at biodosimetry of astronaut lymphocyte samples and uh, we did studies on cataracts. So I've, I've kind of been um, gotten broader and broader as I, I moved into my career and uh, I've been fortunate that um, I've published over 60 papers in our journal, the Radiation Research Journal, so in a variety of areas. So, so I started with nuclear physics, moved into biophysics, radiobiology, and a lot, a lot, a lot of different things. So I think that's why they recognized me as the, the award winner this year. You've covered the entire spectrum of radiation. Yeah, so you know, the space radiation is a kind of little niche, so it's not as in many ways, it's not as important as other areas in radiation research where it has a direct applicability to patients or diagnostics. But, it, but it's an important place and it's a very interesting science because it's a really from an extraterrestrial source. Extra, it's a different type of radiation, heavy ions, and we've been struggling for decades to figure out what will happen when humans have long-term exposures to these types of radiation. So one of the directors from where you're at now, Afrid, John Ainsworth helped us for many years. And so there's been some really good people that have helped us. And oh, that's, that's very nice to hear. Uh, did you always uh, wanted to be in space research or nuclear? Because you said you started with health physics and nuclear um, physics. And did you always wanted that growing up or it's just? Uh, uh, it's, I kind of fell into it. Maybe, maybe the will of God. It's yeah. interesting because my daughter just got her PhD in molecular biology and she knew right along what she, she wanted, wanted to do, do it and what part of the molecular biology and oh, where wow. she was going to go. And I kind of got into a graduate school and, the, and the, my faculty advisor had funding from NASA. Mm. And so I got involved. And that's how, <laughs> so, that's when your uh, association with space research and NASA came up with? Yeah, so I, I knew I wanted to be in theoretical nuclear physics, but then uh, 
the, the interaction with space radiation was through my faculty advisor, nothing that I had uh, dreamed about or anything like that. So, so and I did, I did, if so, you, you learn as you go. I think the field has really changed because there is this presumption that it's all about shielding and uh, using the methods that we have on Earth, but there's been very good advice and external reports from the National Council of Radiation Protection and the U.S. National Academy of Sciences saying, wait a minute, you can't use the Earth-based methods for the, uh, this type of radiation, and also for this type of this population, because it's a very specialized population of very healthy people and well-educated right. and extensive training, and also they uh, undergo other risks. So that's, that's one of the struggles, as some people think, that the risk of the, uh, the spaceship failure, either on launch or return or anywhere in between, is such a big risk that the radiation part is, they shouldn't worry about it. But it's, it's smaller compared to that. Well, but, but that's, that's but actually, it's not smaller. So that's the thing. So it's just because they, they're putting in tens, maybe hundreds of billions of dollars to make those things I mentioned safe to launch the life support during the mission and the return. They're spending an enormous amount of money and it is safe. So the radiation risks are actually higher. Uh, the difference would be the, um, the, um, you, you, the radiation risk comes after the mission. So you have the, you can still have a mission success scientifically, but programmatically, but for the individual, yeah, it could be a few years or a few decades after the mission, you'd have these effects. And that, that's, that's the sad part of it. And we should pay attention to That's yeah. what you are suggesting. Oh, okay. And uh, how the new um, students in training or scientists in training should be looking forward to the space research? How do they approach it? Not everybody comes with health physics or nuclear physics background, but somebody who is a biologist, if they want to um, get into space research and understand the biology, in it, uh, how do they approach this? Yeah, well, we had a summer school at Brookhaven National Lab where we have the accelerator that was gone for more than 10 years. Actually, they just ended it. I, I, I left NASA, but they just ended it. But that was something I thought up of to have a group of students go there and uh, it's an application process and be selected to go there and get intensive lectures for over about a month and actually to do some experiments with particle beams. Okay. So, so that's what, uh, yeah. There's, that's one way, and there's some programs like that in uh, that occur in Europe as well. And there's a recent one in Brussels, and uh, and another one at Darmstadt at the GSI facility from time to time. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one way, but that's that's not for everybody. So you have to read the literature uh, if you're looking for a place to find somebody who does that type of research, and we we really need people who have like the state of the art research interests and skills to apply it to our problem. So I think that's number one advice. It's better for um, space exploration to get the brightest people involved and to have them then look at our problems rather than um, people that are just interested in space and know that type of uh, technology because it's not gonna solve this problem of uh, what's the risk for the cancer, cognitive effects, and other uh, health risks, and how to mitigate them, you need new approaches. So do you, do you think that uh, these people whom you would want to come into this field have to have certain kind of background, or 
people with variable backgrounds can be actually accommodated and the group can actually together uh, do a better job of finding um, Yeah, I think anybody who's, who's the, like for example, if your interest is in radiation oncology, mm -hmm. you'll have a lot of skills that overlap, the, the, but you might not know about high LET and heavy ions, and you might have focused on high dose and we're, we're, we're low dose. Low dose and prolonged and uh, high RBE, mm -hmm. we think. We don't know for sure. Yes. <laughs> so so the, the, these are the differences that have to be understood. And then there's interest in, um, like when you think about DNA damaged, uh, in most facilities in oncology using x-rays, or maybe, maybe protons. So the type of DNA damage there is, uh, is different than heavy ions. Would heavy ions have more uh, complex damage? So uh, do we have, in terms of technology, do we have every aspect of it already figured out now to actually do these studies, or are we still in the development? I think there's, there's a, the, the number one question for me is the model you use. So, so we're, we're different than clinical research or uh, where you can look at patients and, and, get, and then look at experimental models to see how the experimental model can change the treatment of the patient and look at patient outcomes to see what's successful because the space missions in the past are shorter and there's, there's, you know, there's been a few hundred people in space but it's just really not enough. So we're looking for longer missions in the future and just a few people. So, so you really have to come at it with a theoretical and experimental approach. And the problem is the experimental models we use are only, only a few things have been uh, improved over the years. If you think some of the things that have been funded recently are using mouse models from the 1950s and 60s. Oh, so, so, so how so could a lot has changed a, since then. Yeah, so if you, 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 can, you can devolve, uh, develop better models. People know how to do that. And uh, unfortunately, there's very few people working on better experimental models of, of the So this, this aspect of science is actually underexplored, and so a lot of new scientists can actually think about this area and develop their uh, expertise in this. Yeah, we, we heard the talk from Tyler Jacks at, on Monday morning, and uh, you know, he, he develops these wonderful models, but they're aimed at uh, cancer treatment mostly, and we, we need something, that type of approach to look at our questions, which would be, uh, what's, how does cancer develop for this type of radiation? Because it seems to be different than other types of radiation, uh, especially if solid cancers seem to be very different. So the progress is very different, the generation of cancer is very different. Do we know the frequency of it? Do we know aspects of? Oh, uh, we have predictions. predictions. And, um, and, but the predictions have a, large uncertainty so the uh, you know it could be like a Mars mission which is about 900 days it, the risk could be 1% chance of death or it could be 25% chance so the predictions have a, a yeah. wide range and we want to know more precisely and then our, our limits for the space station astronauts are 3% mm -hmm. so um, if it's 25% that's that's much huge. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to know that better. Maybe for the Mars mission you would allow 4% or 5%, but I don't think they'll be, it'd be acceptable to allow 25%. 25% <laughs> of the, no, no, that would be 
because that, that means, you, and if you have six people, that means you're uh, guaranteeing uh, uh, occupational. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's not, yeah. that wouldn't be very convenient for sure. Yeah. So uh, what do you see, where do you see this research? Every research has a, uh, has a future. So space research with Mars mission coming up, where do you think we are going? Yeah, so there's a lot of interest in neuroscience now and cognitive effects, um, maybe even late effects. There's a couple of people have used heavy ions with uh, transgenic or, um, Alzheimer models, which so there's models out. Mice, for example, don't get Alzheimer's disease, but you can introduce um, genes that give them the pathology of Alzheimer's. So if you irradiate those mice, the pathology will appear earlier. So that's a concern. Uh, and then there's a bigger concern would be cognitive changes during the mission or if, soon after. And there seems uh, to be some indication that that might occur, but there needs to be more experimentation on uh, chronic exposures and also um, more, more information on how well these uh, small animal models represent human cognition. So it would be it would be the best situation if all these uh, models that are developed for different diseases come together and then supply those models to the space research so that you could actually use their model system but have your um, radiation long-term, low-dose long-term exposure yeah. model developed from that. Yeah, I think you have to... Yeah, we might... There should be some models for example, again, from Tyler Jackson, he's developed that might have some influence and impact for us. But the approach they use could be to develop a different model to answer some of the questions in space research. Like the, I mentioned the solid cancer. It seems some types of tumors get very high RBEs for solid cancers. And uh, why is that? So can you, is it about initiation, promotion, non-targeted effects? So can you develop uh, models to an help answer that question? Yeah. Um, we heard and learned a lot from you from this interview. Would you like to give a little more information for the future scientists who would uh, want to go in for space research and specifically developing models and helping out answering these questions that are so prominent and so important. Yeah, so the, um, so the Radiation Research Society has the, the four disciplines, physics, chemistry, biology, and medicine. So the space research, you, you have to get some information and, and knowledge in physics and you have to get used to it. I've, we've funded, when I was at NASA, some very well-known scientists, I won't name, and like linear energy transfer, mm -hmm. is, and they would say that's uh, let, oh. high let, high, but, and, but you, you call it high LET, you don't call it high let. But they, they, you would see they would mix up kinetic energy and LET, they, they, they didn't, never really, because linear energy transfer and kinetic energy, and even this after being funded for five years, they're still mixing up that they don't understand that they're two different things. So you, so you have to get um, some background in physics. But once you have that, the, we, we need you because or, or space travel in the future uh, needs you because the, 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 we need new state-of-the-art, cutting-edge research. And the other thing is that these missions are, they're not real yet. So, so um, it's going to be a long-term thing, so I think the space research is going to go on for decades, space radiation research, because when I was in um, graduate school, 
in the 1980s, they were talking about the Mars mission in 1996. And then, then it was 2004, and then it was 2018, and now, and now, they're, saying, now, now they're saying 2035. So the mistake they make at NASA is they, they're always thinking that it's, 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 it's 10, it's 20 years away, so that they don't want to support basic research. So in retrospect, you sh they should have been funding basic research all along. And they have, they have some, so somewhat, but so I think really basic research approaches are what needed because um, Translational approaches are nice, but a translational approach now is going to be completely different 20 years from now, in my, my opinion. But the basic research will, will have a long-lasting impact and a benefit. And so the time that we have now, we should use it yeah, appropriately yeah. and actually build our base yeah. much better. Because you really need to know. So and then people want to know about countermeasures, but how would you know a countermeasure is going to work? Unless you know what's you really, going on. You really, yeah. You need to first develop the disease model and then maybe yeah. test the countermeasures for that. How do, you, how do you know if you need a countermeasure? If, we oh, have the, if the risk is 1%, you probably don't need a countermeasure. So you need you to need answer that question. And I think it's the same science. The science that says you really understand mm -hmm. what the risk is, is the same science that leads you into how to, to mitigate it with a countermeasure. So you may not need a countermeasure at all at that point. Yeah. Well, that is very nice to know. Yeah. And thank you for spending okay, you. your uh, time and as well as the knowledge that you shared with us. Thank you.